1: You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back to Trot's Life. With Toby McKinnon today, and it is a long way to the top, but every so often, you just make it there. And Brad Walters is on the line. Brad, firstly, mate, uh, how are you, and whereabouts are you today?
0: Oh, I'm um, very well, thank you. I'm uh, I'm actually at Mick Hughes's place, looking after the horses for a couple of days while he's away. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: All right. well that's interesting because this will open up, uh, we've got a few directions we'll probably go in this (laughs) stuff. Starting with yourself, right? So tell us a little bit about your background and I don't think you're related to all the other Walters in harness racing.
0: No, I'm not not related to all the other Walters, but uh, I know there's a few of them. I do get the odd call to drive in Tasmania every now and then. (laughs) Um, But no, I've been in harness racing since I left school, sort of didn't know what direction to go and I went through the Um, Harness Centre in Warragul with Des Hughes. Yep. Um, And from there I've I've worked with a few trainers. I had to go over in Western Australia with Bob Malsop for a little bit. Um, Come back over here. I worked with Bill and Ian Anderson at Lauriston. Um, Garrett Donaldson over in Bendigo and then I come and worked for Mick until he shut down uh, this year.
1: Yeah, okay. And you had a little dabble in harness racing as well and I think that Uh, was that predominantly with Mick? You've had the three horses and and I think Petite Love was your horse and has been for some time?
0: Yeah, Petite Love was mine. Um, I had a little go on my own before I was at Mick's but sort of, that's when it really, I guess, took over. Um, That's when I started to understand what I was doing and and Mick was a big help with getting uh, Petite Love going for me and helping me out and I managed to win a race with her um, on my own and and then Mick took over the training for me after that.
1: Right. So what what do you do now? Are you you full you're not full time with the horses. I don't. I assume not. But you may be.
0: No, I'm not. I um I decided to try my hand at something different, and I now work at the Warragul Greyhounds. Just sort of track um, track managing and and ground maintenance and things like that.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, oh, very good, mate. I was uh, driving on a greyhound track yesterday at Cranburn, and I will tell you what, that, it hasn't been touched for a long time, and it's getting very soft. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that one needs a bit of work, but the Warrigal one's flying.
1: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, all right, t- tell us now, nextly, the I own a Trotter Sydney kit. Uh, it's a name that I've seen on a number of horses, predominantly with Mick Hughes.
0: Yeah, so um. Des, Des Hughes set it up, Mick's dad set it up uh, a few years ago and Just Believe and Petite Love were the first two horses yeah. um, to my knowledge that they had through it um, and that's how I ended up getting Petite Love was through the syndicate and um, they've, yeah, they've just been extremely lucky with horses thanks <laughs> largely to Pat Driscoll and Yabby Dams because they're good horses and there's so many people in it and they all really love their racing and they they all love the horses too.
1: So was uh, Just Believe purchased from Yabby Dam Farms or through the sales or was was he leased or how did that come about?
0: Yeah, so he, he's leased through Yabby Dam and and Pat's been really good every time we've asked him for a horse he's found one and we only lease them at the moment but um, we've we've bought another couple through a different syndicate which is similar people but um, Just Believe is leased.
1: Is that the Wells family group?
0: Yeah, the Wilds family group, um, Lindsay, is the manager, Malcolm. Um, and, yeah, he he deals with Pat mostly, but, yeah, we've had a lot of luck.
1: So he didn't race as a two-year-old, just believe? No, he didn't race as a two-year-old. He, um,
0: he was a, a slow maturer, um, as you can see. He's six years old and he's just starting to hit his straps now. Yeah. Um, but... Mick always knew that there was something in there um, from very early on. And that's why he took his time. He didn't want to rush him and just looked after him.
1: Then as a three-year-old, he came out. Do you remember who he ran second to at his very first start? No, I don't. Nephew of Sunoco. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And then he had a eight starts as a three-year-old. He won the one race. He, he ran three placings and he, and he got into a Breeders' Crown final, but had no luck. He got checked there. Was a pretty strong breeders' crown final, there was four Indo Dominion finalists in it. So uh he had a relatively good three year old season without but again he was obviously still maturing. He was
0: still maturing and um his three year old season probably does go a little bit unnoticed. He did win a group three, albeit um returned the positive swap to arsenic. So it it doesn't show on his record, but Yeah, okay. He um he was a quality
1: was a quality horse from early on.
0: Yep. Um and and we we enjoyed racing him back then yeah
1: it was that four year old season where he went i think to another level though he had the 15 starts six wins he belted his way through the classes there over a period of time winning four straight and then at the end of the year he ran fourth in a in a Vicbred final and again it was a very very strong Vicbred final yeah
0: that's right he um i remember he just kept he just kept going around and going around and at yeah for a while there we were thinking gee like he could be anything here. And hmm. he probably did just sort of reach the end of the season, Um, probably was feeling himself a little bit by then. But, yeah, by that, by that point, we knew we had a good horse.
1: He did have a good horse. And I suppose he's probably a year behind still in a sense. So I know he was a four-year-old that year, but it was probably like his three-year-old season in a sense. And then the next year, I know he's a five-year-old, but... It was almost like he was a four-year-old and he ran some great races. Fourth in the Doard Cup to Majestic Man and Sundon Courage and Majestuoso. He made a great Southern Star final after running fifth in the heat. And then by the end of the year, uh, well, well, we'll talk about that a bit more. But uh, he, he went up to the Inter-Dominion. And I, I guess, again, just going back to it, he, he was sort of like a four-year-old and really emerging into open age ranks this season.
0: Yeah, that's right. He was just, um, with every little bit of racing we were putting into him, he was just getting slowly better and better. And I, I think the Inter-Dominion Series last year probably probably made him into the horse that he is at the moment because he, he learned that resilience. And we always knew he was a tough horse. And I think he started to feel better throughout the series. I think if you look at the each heat and then the final, he got better through the series. Yeah. And I think that's largely um, how he became the horse that he is today.
1: Yeah he did uh, that series last year in 2021 where he, he ran 7th, 2nd and 3rd through the series and then 3rd in the final from three back the marker pegs and he did just get better and better throughout the series didn't he
0: He did and and I know he probably had an easy run he, he drew one in the final last year and you know just had a peg run the whole time but you know over uh I can't remember if it was 3000 or 3200 or Whatever the distance was in the final, I think if you watch the replay, he's making ground up at the end. He's still running on. And that's always been his, his attribute. He can just keep running. Yeah. He, he sort of never feels like he's tired. And it's almost the longer the race, the better he'll be.
1: Now, we, we all sort of know Mick Hughes has, has got out of harness racing and uh, the horse had to go somewhere. And how did you come up with Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars?
0: Um, well, it wasn't wasn't an easy decision. Um, <laughs> we had a, a had a few trainers that we sort of thought about, but I know uh, Mix had a good relationship with Greg, um, driving some of his trotters, cruising around and um, gates his alley and, and things like that. And he's just he's he's got the patience and everything that you need to drive a trotter. Mm. Um, and with such a large syndicate of owners as well. We had to find someone that we, we knew would be able to do the job. So Greg suge- uh, Mick suggested Jess and Greg, um, and we we were more than happy to go with it.
1: He's bounced back. Yeah, he comes back late this year, and he wins the Shep Cup, Kilmore Cup. And I was actually exchanging, I don't know whether you saw on Twitter or not, but I was I was advocating for three heats, and... I had a little uh, running leaderboard on where horses were ranked and Greg was texting me, where am I now on those rankings? I've got to get him in this (laughs) Inter-Dominion. And uh, he finally got qualified and uh, (laughs) I sent a message to Greg and said, you're in the top 24 now, you're right. Was that the aim, the Inter-Dominion again?
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I remember after he won the um, Shep Cup, we went down to the stables and we were talking to Greg afterwards and he said, look, He's still going to make it yet based on his rating points. He's actually a Mm. fair way off. So, Mm. um, yeah, that that was always the goal for him. And, um, yeah, we were certainly glad once um, we started to rack up some points and we were eligible.
1: Yeah, 100%. And what was it like going through the series, winning all three heats? Did you feel a, a bit of pressure with him almost going into a final? But then I suppose the barrier draw then probably what relieved that pressure in a sense.
0: Yeah, well, I um I picked out the barrier, unfortunately, so uh-huh. that, that took a lot of stress away from everyone. <laughs> yeah. But um, the, it, was, it was funny. It was my it's my first foray into owning a horse that I haven't that I'm not working with every day. So, sort of not knowing how they're going at home and everything, it was quite stressful for me. Everyone else was having a bit of a laugh. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But um, no, as the series went on, you could see you, we got slightly more and more confident. Um, the barrier draw certainly didn't help, but at the same time, it probably took a target off our back a little bit. Um, you know, you go through the series undefeated, people are looking at you, and you draw 12, and maybe they're not looking at you as much.
1: Yeah. So. What's next for Just Believe? Um,
0: well, we'll leave that up to Greg. He'll he'll know um, how he's going at home, but I know there's a couple of big races, the Great Southern Star and the Trotting Grand Prix, and, February, so
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if he thinks he's he's capable of going through them, um, we'll head there. Otherwise, if he wants a bit more of a break, I'm sure Greg will do the right thing.
1: How did you celebrate Saturday night? Uh, it was
0: a long night, I can <laughs> tell you that. Um, Sunday morning as well was, was quite long. But um, no, it, it was worth it. <laughs>
1: What a, what a great result for Warrigal! Like Des is the manager of the Trotting Club down there, and and you're working at the Greyhound Club. What a great little result that is for the Warrigal Centre.
0: Yeah, that's right, and it's a, it's an Australia wide thing because I know the Tamworth, there's a group from Tamworth. They came down from Tamworth for the final, and um, they've taken the rug up there to display at the Harness Club up there. So, it's, um, yeah, nationwide celebrations.
1: 100%. Good on you, Brad. Thanks for uh, joining us today and uh, thanks for your little contribution too with uh, Fiona Kerr back in, back. Uh, like, oh, that was earlier this year sometime too, mate.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's all right. Thanks for having me on.
1: There is Brad Walters, winning owner of Just Believe and uh, what a great syndicate they have been and what a great story with Just Believe and so much kudos has to go to McHugh's in all this. He didn't race him as a two-year-old, took his time with him, he He's always looked after the horse so well, and he's matured into such a beautiful, strong horse as a six-year-old, which over many, many years, that's how sort of trotters worked, didn't they? They didn't race a lot as two- and three-year-olds, and it was not till they were five, six, seven, eight, nine, they were probably at their best over time, and maybe just believe he's is, is a little bit of a throwback to that, and we'll see the best of him over the next three years as... No doubt he's uh, Australasia's best trotter at the moment, or, so, oh, well, Sunday's son or him, whichever one you want to choose. Or, unfortunately, Bolt for Brilliance was in that conversation, but he'll be away for some time now. Let's get our last break away for the hour. Big second hour still to come. We'll turn our attention to the Cranbourne Cup, but we'll go back before we go forward, and we'll catch up with John McLean, who trained Rivoli Jack to win a Cranbourne Cup, and Tony Zeria, who trained all for one.